You are listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. I'm your host, Sierra Nicholson. Joining me in the studio today are two members of our insurance practice, Matt McCory and Rebecca Stockley. Matt, Rebecca, thanks for joining me today. You guys are both on the front lines with our clients every day, and I think that gives you, you know, pretty compelling perspective uh, about some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Um, and we really are in an unprecedented time in terms of some of the, the changes that we've been experiencing globally in the last few weeks. Can you talk about some of the biggest workforce challenges that insurance companies are facing right now? Yeah, so I think um, in general, claim centers are really doing okay if we're talking about average claims. If we're talking about large and complex claims, we are seeing some gaps in the ways of working. So the ways that people used to work in personal huddles, um, in um, groups to, to work through the, um, the solutions there, we really need to look at how do we uh, adjust to those ways of working. I think the other thing that we're seeing is around ourselves and marketing organizations where they used to be going out and having meetings, having dinners, reaching out to clients. Um, there's, no, there's no capacity um, and we've got a lot of people who are struggling with that, looking for um, new ways to, to broker those conversations and those relationships. And maybe I would add a few others um, as we work with our clients every day. You know, functions that we've always relied on that were uh, smooth and, and fairly functioning well, like finance and task and risk and actuarial, are getting stressed a little bit with the working from home function. And as uh, reporting periods come up and as things need to be done around reforecasting, et cetera, they're looking for help in those areas uh, and additional resources who really have those skills to do it from a remote location. And also just core operations. So when we think about, you know, what happens when we're trying to endorse a policy or policy admin systems that we always had some workarounds, even if they're fresh and new. Um, a lot of that was huddle work. And folks are getting, how do we do these huddles sort of in real time? How do we solve uh, an endorsement issue or an authentication issue in a different way and in a remote way and away from the system? So you, you both actually mentioned something interesting, this idea of uh, the huddle work, right? So we're used to being able to connect live uh, to get things done efficiently. Do you, what ways do you see, you know, executives and managers and insurance companies responding to, you know, the need to, to support their people on a human level? So I think companies that have done this really well have made sure, first and foremost, that their people are okay, whether that's a claims processor who is out there, um, front lines processing claims in less than ideal environments, or whether that's uh, our sales and marketing teams, our um, other, other teams that are concerned about the um, job security that they have in this market. So sending out messages to say, you know, we are here for you, we are thinking about you, we are supporting you, and we are enabling you to work in these new ways. So I think there's also the, the additional um, support given to the technology that we need to do this, um, the ways that we need to renegotiate our kind of work contracts as we think about working from home, juggling family, juggling little ones, maybe homeschooling, thinking about um, caring for sick people or the elderly. 
how are we renegotiating the terms of our average workday, thinking we used to work an eight till five and now we need to talk to our teams and, and really say, what is that? what are our new ways of working? When are we working? When are we not working? Um, and thinking through what that means for our work day and how we interact with each other. And I think back hit on another really important point. I think some of our best clients who have first focused on their people and the roles they're playing, not just at their job, but with their families and their communities, has reflected both in then how they're treating their customers and their insureds. And some examples I could give is, you know, think about if you're a carrier right now and a big segment is healthcare, right? I mean, those people are reaching out to those people, just thanking them for what they do. Or think about, you know, grocery, grocery store chains or supply chain, just reaching out, not even for a business reason to say, thank you for everything you're doing. Teachers, right, you're seeing that as well, given the anxiety they have. And some of our best clients, as they treat their people in a great way, there's some great market messaging in their workforce, even if they're remote, out to the clients and the insureds they serve, which I think is really special. Yeah, I'm glad um, you brought that up, Matt, and you actually hit on something that um, I wanted to get to later in our conversation, but I think we should talk about it now. Um, from both of your perspectives, what's what's the role of empathy in this new normal work environment? Um, I think as we've moved into a new world, new ways of working, and we've been asked to take that into our stride um, and continue on as best we can with our, our daily kind of routines and the ways that we work, I think empathy is kind of paramount, not only the empathy we show towards others, the empathy we show towards ourselves, um, and the empathy we show towards our customers. Um, I think, you know, you have to be able to step back and say, how is this affecting me? How is that affecting the people around me? Um, and then how am I bringing that into my work and the way that I interact with people so that I can be empathetic to everybody, whether it's my customer or whether it's my team, whether it's my family and those that are, that are around me. Um, I think we are experiencing new emotions and new anxieties that we didn't have before in this kind of new norm and really understanding how they impact the way that a person will ring into um, ask about a new policy, the way that we have to interact and understand what people are going through when they're raising a claim um, and how we really deal with that interaction, show that empathy, coach our teams in how to do that um, and really think through what are these people going through and how do I connect with them human to human um, as we all go through, through something that is very foreign to all of us. Uh, Beck, it's so well said, and I'll just give another example where empathy is really changing the way a part of our carriers are working, and it's in distribution and sales. And although they're a little bit disrupted right now because, you know, a lot of sales and meetings and discussions have been pared back, but how they're approaching what some of these products means has quickly changed. And this often happens in a big event, but... You know, the understanding of what accident coverage is about or critical illness, right, or business disruption insurance. You know, there's an empathy card there that sometimes when it's in your day-to-day -day normal routine, you don't reflect on that a lot. And I think now for sales and distribution marketing, sometimes it's a good gut check to say, 
Wow, what we do is pretty powerful in protecting the everyday for people, and we do have a critical role to play in the marketplace. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, Matt. Thanks for adding that color. Um, I do want to go back to um, a, sort of a, a, a hardware piece uh, of this conversation. Um, can we go back to talking about some of the technology infrastructure changes that that insurance companies have had to rapidly make? Um, over the last couple of weeks. Can you talk about, you know, that effort to, to enable a nearly entirely remote workforce? Yeah, so I think from the most basic level, um, we're needing to quickly confirm whether employees are even able to, to work remotely. So have they got the right Wi-Fi connections and what's the strongest available to them? Because we're seeing the issues with bandwidth. Um, if we're using video conferencing, uh, which a lot of people are moving to because it creates that emotional connection, the engagement with other people. Uh, but have we got the the bandwidth there? So we're seeing a lot of investment being made there. I think connecting between different platforms. So we've got you know Skype and Zoom and Teams and WebEx and all of these different platforms out there. And are we all able to communicate to each other? So doing a lot of testing around have we got the, the capability? Are we prepared for critical meetings? Are we seeing delays in, in work as a result of that? Um, I think the other thing where we're dealing with sensitive information, uh, we know that we are needing to VPN. And so that's requiring a lot of rapid investment in allowing that. And I think uh, I certainly a number of my clients are seeing an issue with offshore or um, shared services workforces where they have not necessarily had the capability to work remotely and we are now seeing that they need to quickly um, enable them in countries like India, which is completely shut down, a large portion of their workforce being um, somewhat disconnected and so needing to invest heavily there in order to bring that workforce in um, and, and stay connected into the work. Um, otherwise needing to sort of borrow um, skills and, and capability from other teams if they haven't, haven't been able to do that. So both an investment in the technology but also an investment in the uh, upskilling and cross-skilling of resources to make up for some of the delays that they're having. And maybe another point I'd add is just on the core operating model, what I mean by that is over the last three or four years in this industry, maybe even longer than that, we as advisors and consultants and efficiency experts have, have really preached to our clients, let's get things digital, let's get things automated, let's get things offshore, let's get them, get them nearshore. And, and for the first time, some of this is going to be really tested in this environment to its truest sense, right? And so I think a lot of these things, some of the core processes, were put in place, digital-enabled tools. Think of like Pega or Appian or ServiceNow. But now you're going through every activity and every task and make sure it's linked in every different scenario. And so some of our clients are, are seeing that hold sort of stable, but there's still a lot yet to be seen as we go through a renewal period or a surge of activity. And, and others are, are quite worried about the infrastructure and stability of this if this is actually going on for many more months. So. You know, there's pros and cons on that, and but I do think it's going to advance us overall to a more enabled AI digital work, work way of working. 
Matt, in, in that vein, do you think that technology risk management is able to keep pace with the accelerated, you know, technology change? It, it's a, that's such a great question, Sarah, because um, I worry about that. I worry about it just from both sides of the pendulum, meaning they're absolutely technology risk, IT risk needs to manage everything that's coming their way right now. And I'll give you examples, whether it's the things Beck talked about, you know, VPNs are working in Zoom, and I'm now with Microsoft Team, and all these technologies people are looking at very quickly and using, yet on the other side of that pendulum is there's nothing like advancing and innovation like real need. And so I do think there's going to be some cracks in that infrastructure at the beginning. I mean, just think about basic things about, hey, you know, here I am with a client. I've always demanded wet signatures. If we're in this environment for three or four months, that's just not going to be possible. Uh, what do I do in all the states that I have to have a notary? Well, notaries really aren't functioning completely right now, right? So something's going to, you know, rubber's hitting the road in a lot of this, and there's a lot of what I'll say field adoption going on a lot being more than normal. So I do worry about the IT risk management side. And I know the C-suite is balancing, mitigating that, understanding it, while having to make some real business operational risk decisions in order to keep uh, things running the way they should be. Yeah, you make some great points there that, um, you know, every risk consideration isn't isn't a huge item that would maybe come to mind, first of all. But yeah, like how do you get things notarized when you can't go to a notary? So I just want to pivot back a little bit um, to the to the change in, in work culture. So once once insurance companies have, you know, they've checked on their people, they've navigated some of the infrastructure changes that need to happen, they've, they've managed to get their um, risk management process caught up. Do you think any of the, the changes in the way that we're working uh, that we're seeing, you know, over the last couple of weeks, do you think any of these changes will become business as usual for insurers? Yeah, I think what we're really seeing is a once-in-a-lifetime shift in our culture and in the ways of working. And I think Matt touched on it earlier when he was talking about digital transformation. And a lot of organizations have been trying to get their teams to be more innovative, to, to think about how we transform businesses and become more digital. And um, a lot of those barriers have been around the supporting technology and the willingness to go there. And this has forced us into a way of working very quickly um, that we've kind of fast-tracked through a lot of those barriers. And I think as a result, um, we're seeing that we are proving to ourselves that we can do this. We can work in these new ways. We can work remotely. Um, and we're setting an expectation with workers who may not have done this in the past that there are new ways that we can think about things. So I think as we go back to, you know, the, the kind of, business as usual, in inverted commas, um, there will be um, a demand by the workforce to think about, do we need to have standard ways of moving into the office and working every day, or are we able to think about where does the work need to be performed, and do we have different contracts with our employers, both uh, in, in physical and psychological, around how do we actually work? And I think if employers aren't thinking about how do we sustain a re remote workforce now, then when we come out of this, 
they will have some challenges with engagement and retention because people have seen something different, they've felt something different, and they've, they've seen how we can make it work. I echo a lot of, of Beck's thoughts. I, I just think when you look at the environment that we're in now, and, you know, do I think it's going to be automatic digital adoption tomorrow? I don't, because I still think we're working through that. But the idea that it can work, because we're doing it now, I think is settled in and confirmed with a lot of operational folks, a lot of C-suite folks. And I think there's a silver lining in some of this with some consequences as well. I mean, the idea that um, I hear a lot over the last three or four weeks is, wow, I'm not in meetings all the time, you know, because two or three hour calls or video chats are a lot, right? So being more productive with our time. The idea of even some of our employees at our carriers, right, and some of the people we work with on a day-to-day -day basis at our clients, a little more family time, getting balanced with work time, makes them more productive at work to some of those emotional things that Beck was talking about. And then lastly, what I would stress is it will also be very interesting how we measure and monitor performance management in a work-at-home situation because we're starting to feel and hear about performance management challenges the productivity of some of these folks from our work-at-home environment. Some are very productive. I think some are lagging. How will that come through? And then lastly, keeping this human connection, because I think we're all humans at the end, and we do like some connection, depending even what personality you are. That connection point that Bex talked about earlier, I think, is really important. Yeah, I think that you did a great job, Matt, of highlighting some of the the positive things that we might experience in a, in a remote work environment. I wonder, uh, Rebecca, if you have any perspective on maybe some of the negative things that we might experience? Yeah, I think Matt touched on it there with um, there's kind of structural and emotional things that are the downside of working remotely. Um, you know, our standard day has been kind of thrown up in the air. We're, we're now balancing things in different ways and juggling responsibilities in different ways um, than we did if we were, you know, physically in the workplace. Um, I think the connectivity with humans, so I think the, the term that I've heard quite a bit lately is social distancing doesn't mean social isolation. Um, but we're sort of forcing people into social isolation physically, so we need to bring back ways to make them connect um, emotionally through other, other channels. So there's some of the downsides that we can definitely see. I think Matt touched on the um, performance management um, and how do we hold people accountable um, in, in this work environment as well. And I think part of working through that is how are we giving structure? How are we setting clear expectations around roles and responsibilities, clear timelines, um, shared understanding of outcomes and deliverables, and how are we doing that with our teams sort of daily? Checking in, making sure that um, people are performing and continuing to deliver without micromanaging and scrutinizing to the nth degree because that in the longer term can imply that we don't trust so we need to make sure that we have a balance of providing structure and, and giving people 
some ability to, to work independently. Sarah, I think it's a great question on the consequences, uh, potentially negative on the work at home culture or this shift. You know, the few that I come to my mind that I've been talking to some clients about are that feeling of isolation um, and connectivity. But along with that, think about your development and your learning. And I know we're trying to do more of that remotely, and the university system is doing that even before uh, this crisis. But there's a lot to personal mentoring, connecting, watching as you learn versus just telling as you learn. That's one item. The other is just think about the, the commercial real estate footprint. Like if you, you look at what a lot of our clients have done over the last four or five years, it's been a rush to sort of innovation hubs and center of excellence, you know, and new working space. And now do you need that same footprint? Do you still need that space in the mm -hmm. same way um, is another one I hear a lot about. And then lastly, I've talked about it before, I just think around performance management, skill development, career architecture, um, do we really have a good 360 view of the individual if we're not connecting in a human way a little more often than we've been doing over the last three or four weeks? And, and Matt, I think that last point you made is a really important one in being able to capitalize on what we've learned. Because if we're not upskilling our teams and thinking about how do we capture everything that's good about a digital enabled workplace, and upskill our teams on how to go about implementing that sustainably in the future, then we lose that opportunity to learn from what we're going through. And so I think that how do we think about that learning pathway and that development of different skills to what people have traditionally had to be able to do that implementation is really important. Matt, Rebecca, I really appreciate you sharing your perspectives. I think there's a lot for insurance companies to think about uh, as we continue to, to navigate the way that our, our work environment is changing. Um, and I think you've really made some great points today. So thank you both for your time, and I'll be speaking with you again soon. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Be safe. You have been listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. For more insights, visit listen.kpmg.us slash insurance insights 360.